Everybody ready for some word today? Come on, get your forks out. And let's eat. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and have your Bible apps on your phone. Go ahead and turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. If you don't know where that is. It's after First Chronicles. I'll give you a moment to find that, and so you can look at it with your own eyes, and make sure what we're saying is there and true. Praise God. We started a series a couple weeks ago. I think this is a mini-series called Believe His Prophets. Believe His Prophets. I don't think everyone has fully recognized the need to believe the prophets of the Lord. And, uh, and I'll explain what that means again just to review here momentarily. Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 20. Verse 20 reads, So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe His prophets, and you shall prosper. And so, our success then is, at least in part, tied to what we do with what the prophets speak. See, if I ignore it, if I shun it, then I'm only removing God's recipe for success from my life. The word prosper there, you know, it means people sometimes just think of money when you think of prosperity, but but it's much bigger than that. Uh, Success is a good word, okay? Uh, You believe His prophets and you succeed. And so just as much as there is a need for us to discern and judge and rightly identify what is of God and what's not of God, there is also a need, it's absolutely required, it's it's a necessity that we believe the things that are of God. And so this puts the onus on us to come to that decision point to say, this is of God and this is not of God, so I can embrace what is. Because my success and prosperity in life is contingent upon finding what did come from Him through a person and accepting it, believing it, and living by it. So I have to get to that point. I have to make that determination. I can't live in the land of I don't know, I'm not certain what's of God. But we are required to believe the prophets. I know some people may say, well, everything I get from the Lord just comes straight from Him. Uh, I don't believe you. I don't believe it works that way for you, that the Lord singled you out and, and uh, made a special case where just in your case, you're the only one who can be an island and get everything direct and the rest of us have to have a relationship with other parts of the body. I know for certain that I wouldn't be where I am today if it hadn't been for others that God had 
put his spirit upon and given them a word, given them direction. They spoke and I embraced it and received it. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have the success. I wouldn't have the victories in my life, the testimonies of God's intervention in my life. If I hadn't believed the, the teaching, the, uh, you know, the words that have come through other people. I believe it's the same way today and it'll continue to be this way throughout our lives. So let's recognize God's system, his way of getting things to us and embrace it. Yeah. Now I need to back up just for a moment to restate this. This passage is an Old Testament passage. So when uh, King Jehoshaphat made this statement, there weren't apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There were just prophets. And if you think about it, really, when he said believe his prophets, and we're believing the word that didn't come from a prophet, it came from a king. In the Old Testament, there were prophets, priests, and kings who had the spirit on them. All right. In the New Testament, from the big picture, every believer has the Holy Spirit. But also, we know this, that there are certain gifts, and they're not, it's not just limited to the prophet's office. Again, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, we could say this verse, New Testamentized, would be, believe the ministry gifts, and you'll prosper. Because we recognize that God will speak through and does. And like I said, I've received much from other people and other ministers and I wouldn't be where I am I wouldn't know what I know if I hadn't embraced the fact that what I was hearing through a person was of God you know you know Paul even talked about that to the Thessalonians when he said I thank God that when you received the word of God that came through us you received it not as a word of man but as it is in truth a word from God which effectively works in those who believe see it's one thing to hear a word and say yeah that's that person's opinion but we have to get to where we recognize when it's God. Because if we receive a word through a human being, but it's a God-ordained, God-inspired, God-revealed word, then I've got to embrace it with everything I am and all that I have and all that I can, all the faith I can muster. Because if I will receive that word, it will cause me to prosper. Yeah. And so I need to know what is of him and and I need to discern what is true. And we've been doing that. The whole reason we're saved is because we've believed the prophets. Holy men of old who wrote and spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. We heard the word and said, that's God. And because we believed it, it produced changes in our lives. Many people already got healed in this service. You believe the word and it produces a physical change. You believe the word of salvation, it produces a spiritual and eternal change, right? We must believe the end result is our success. But one of the, one of the approaches I think is vital in coming to the point of discerning and embracing what comes from God is that we look for truth, not for error. I want to focus on God, not the devil. I want to see the answer, not the problem. Focusing on what's right, not on what's wrong. There is a tendency for some to always look for something missing, something broken, something lacking, something that's off a little bit. And because they look for that, that's all they find. How many know if I am successful at identifying what's wrong, 
the best place I can be is zero. Meaning I'm not going down because I've recognized bad stuff. That's not of God. That's wrong. And so I'm at zero. But if I will discover what's right, what is of him, now I have an opportunity to advance, to progress, to have success. My goal is not just to play it safe in life. I don't want to live a fear-based life where, yeah, I'm avoiding some trouble, but I'm also missing out on all the successes, all the opportunities. Everybody okay? So the fear-based person will just, just looking for problems, just looking for error. Let me show you this verse over in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. It reads, beloved do, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Look at this next phrase. Whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Notice it doesn't say, test the spirits whether they are of the devil. You say, well, that's the same thing. No, it's not. One's looking for the devil. The other one's looking for God. Say, well, they're both out there. <laughs> I know, but who are you going to find? I'm not interested in finding, interested in finding the devil. I'm not interested in being an expert at identifying everything that's off. I want to be an expert in identifying everything that's on. Everything that's right, everything that's true. Because that is what's going to put me over the top. That's what's going to cause success to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? Look for something good. It's like if a person comes to a church and they're looking for something wrong. You're going to find it. I mean, even if, if you find a church that is 99% awesome, you're going to find the 1% and say, yeah, they, they don't do this very well. And that's all you're going to get out of it. Yeah? In, in, in relationships, if you're married, how many know if you focus on those parts of your spouse that you don't like, and that's all you think about, that's all you talk about, it's all, they just annoy you to the hilt, how many know you're not going to have a good relationship? But if you will do the opposite and focus on the things that are good, that they are doing well, things you do like and appreciate, well, you're, it's going to be a much better relationship. And how many know every, everybody has to do that? Unless you're married to Jesus, right? You're gonna, there are things that are imperfect about everybody, but a wise, mature person will learn how to look for the good. And in the, in the things of God, I want to look for what's of Him, the voice that is His. In the process of that, I'm going to recognize some error. I'm going to recognize some things that disagree with what's good. I'm still not going to focus on that. I'm just going to push that aside and say, let's run with what's right, run with what's true. Amen. Embrace what is of God, and that will put us over the top. Praise God. Now... Consider this relationship, if you will, with the prophet, with the ministry gift. Um, consider it on a, in a broad way right now. One of the messages I taught many years ago, I, I think it was the first message I ever taught in the church uh, when we started, was about divine connections. And divine connections is a principle that recognizes that the Lord joins one person to another. We know he does that in marriage, uh, but he also does that in the body of Christ, all right? Meaning, if we are as a family likened unto the physical body where certain body parts are 
closer to other parts than others. My foot is not joined to my hand, right? But it's joined to my wrist, to my forearm. There is a God sequence of relationships where he will intersect one person with another and it's for mutual benefit. They both thrive and they both live because of that connection and what flows back and forth between them. Some of that relationship for all of us has to do with the fivefold ministry gifts. God has given them so that certain revelation and anointing and empowerment and encouragement can come through those gifts to lift a person up. Yeah? If I will recognize that he works that way, honor his choices, honor his decisions, his places, then I will be less apt to separate based on anything other than a direction from him. I'm not going to let an offense, I'm not going to let my anger, I'm not going to let something I don't like or anything, any negative thing break that relationship because I know it's my life source. Or it's someone else's life source and probably both to a degree. We must honor the connections, the divine assignments that God gives us, those relationships that are of Him. We can, I could talk all day long and give you examples of that. But I, I want to point to one example in Scripture, and that was with Abraham and Lot. All right? Uh, we all know Abraham. Have you heard of Abraham? He's a pretty good guy. Uh, highly noted in Scripture. I'm not talking about Abraham Lincoln. I'm talking about way before that. Uh, Abraham, before they had last names, just Abraham, all right, and uh, Abraham had a nephew whose name was Lot, so he was Uncle Abe, nephew Lot, and they were, God had spoke to them, they were moving together, and well, Lot was with, with Abraham, and he was, they were highly successful and prosperous in their cattle business and so forth, and God's blessing was all over Abraham, they got to a place where they would. Uh, uh, they were growing big, and their herdsmen were butting heads with each other. Okay, Abraham's herdsmen, Lot's herdsmen, and they're 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 having some strife in the in the clan. And, and let me read this verse so you know where it is. Genesis thirteen eight. So Abraham told Lot, "Please let there be no strife between me, uh, you and me." And by the way, that's a good word. Do not let strife in your life. It is the devil's playhouse. And between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren, is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And so this was interesting to see, though, how they were both successful. But when Lot left Abraham, and they needed to deal with the strife. There's no question about that. But when he left that relationship, Abraham kept going up, and Lot started to go down. Now, he looked, and he said, oh, look at that area over there, Sodom and Gomorrah. That looks like a nice place to live. <laughs> the land is nice. And, and if you know the whole story, that was a wicked place. And they ended up getting judged, and it went. But things went really south for Lot, when he separated from Abraham. You know, I do see scriptures that tell me to follow the faith of Abraham. I don't see any scriptures telling me to, hey, be like Lot. Abraham kept going up. Lot separated, and that separation did not serve him well. 
All right, and, and, and the blessing of God was diminished in his life. I think we're also at times tempted to leave our God-assigned place. He des- designated that we would be in a certain part of the body. He, he, he connected us with relationships that were of him in origin, that he designed, that he wanted and were tempted to leave. I don't know if we always realize how much the faith of someone else is sustaining us. I don't know if we always recognize that, that that part of our success is because someone else was walking with the Lord and they're blessed and the blessing that they're walking in and my proximity to them has helped and increased and I'm hearing from God because of that relationship. And these are the things, if we will be aware of them and know they exist, we'll be very, very slow to cut things off, to break relationships. I'm, I'm kind of the person, uh, if you were my friend 20 years ago, you're still my friend, and, you know, unless you decide not to be. <laughs> I, I go, I'll go many years without talking to some people, but as soon as I, we're just, I, I just, I'm just not a real big in cutting off relationships. I just think, let's just be friends forever, <laughs> you know, and we'll probably have time <laughs> when we get in, in, in eternity. But why does the Lord lead us to partner with certain people? Is because he wants there to be a mutual blessing. For the blessing of God to flow both ways, he wants prosperity. But, but here's, the, here's one of the issues now. We're looking at believing his prophets or his ministers. And, and how do I know who to listen to, who not to listen to? Do I open up my heart just to embrace everything and everyone at all times? No, there should be some discernment. One of the things I like to look for is a track record, a proven track record, not Johnny come lately, not just someone who announces I'm done to da man or woman of the hour and I'm here as God's voice and, and you know, it's like, who are you? You know, we were, in, we're instructed in scripture, first Timothy three ten, Paul wrote to Timothy and talking about putting leaders in the church, he gave them a bunch of qualifications. But one of the things he said there, he said, let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. So there is a proving time, a testing time, a get to know you and let's see what you're made out of time. How many know just because someone has a calling does not mean they have the character to maintain that calling? And and when a person just wants to be recognized, they're just looking for a platform, they're just looking to speak into people's lives, I'm a little bit hesitant with that. Because I want to know, what's your relationship with God? At the same time, if you have a family, like what's your relationship like at home? How's your marriage? What do your kids think of you? Gets quiet, huh? But these are all a part of whether we're to listen to someone's voice. You know, uh, you know when, when we need something done and, 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 and it's below your calling, what's your heart towards that? So I so, say, well, I'm not called to clean things. Well, well, neither am I per se, but I am called to be a servant. I am called to do whatever. You know, I've got to have the heart of humility not, not just something that gets recognition or something that gets seen or gets, gets, receives the praise of men. I remember years ago, there was a, uh, when the church was much smaller, 
And there was a guy who had show, shown up. And, and back then, it was, uh, you know, being at a smaller state, it was easier to recognize when people were new. And they started hanging around. And, and I didn't know anything about this guy. But uh, he would go to different people and talk to this one and talk to this one and talk to this one. And at one point, he, he was announcing to people, came to one of our prayer meetings, announced that he was God. You know, he said, don't you know who I am? I'm God's prophet and, and I'm this and that. And, and uh, I thought, oh. Now, I wasn't in that meeting. It was reported to me. But later, he caught me on the way out one day. I'm saying hi to people. And, and uh, he tells me, you know, what the Lord showed him. And, and none of it happened, what he said. And, uh, but, you know, sometimes... It, we need to be discerning about that. It's like, I don't know who you are. I don't, what are you doing going around trying to influence everyone in the house? I don't know who you are. You have no track record here. If you are the real deal, then let that show in time. Be proven. Let's see if you have a heart to serve. Let's see if you're, you're willing to, to help out and do whatever without recognition, without uh, praise. Everybody okay? And some, they just don't have the right heart. And if they don't have a, again, I want to know what's your relationship with God? What's your, what's your serving? And, and I'm, a, I'm just saying this for our benefit today. Um, I believe in visions and revelations and dreams and Holy Ghost moves and all kinds of power of God showing up and words from heaven and bring it. But if I don't know someone, if someone says, Pastor, I'd like to come prophesy in the church. I have a word for everyone. Can I share it? No. Not if I don't know you. Not if you just showed up in the house today and you're just, well, I've, uh, God's called me to move around. All right, who does know you? You know what I'm saying? I, I'm just not quick to embrace everything. I want to get to the point where I can believe the prophet or any ministry gift. I want to believe. And so I'm going to put things through the test So I can get to a point where I say, yes, that word is from God. Yes, that is a proven leader. Yes, their manner of life and example is something I can follow. And once I see that, then I can embrace it and never let it be broken. Let that divine connection be established and I'll succeed. And I want want it to be that way in the church. I want it to be that way in our house. I want it to be, I want you to know when, when people come up here, that we know who they are. You know, it's not just, you know, someone that could do damage to our, to our lives. On a personal level, I want to encourage you, never seek advancement without a relationship. This relationship with the Father. I want God to use me. Work on your relationship with Him and let Him do it. You know, work on your character, not just your calling. And uh, work on things like commitment. Praise God. Now... Uh, if you're in there in Second Chronicles, take a left turn and go to Second Kings. Got a few more minutes? I do if you do. Why well, do whether you do or not? I don't have unlimited time though. We've got another service to to do. Second Kings chapter five. There was a guy named a guy from Syria named Naaman who was a commander of the army. A uh, big-time dude in their land, Syria, you know, still a nation today. Uh, he had ro- risen up, and he was a man of great influence and success. But Naaman had leprosy, all right? Leprosy is a serious disease. There are cures for that today. Back then, you get your leper, you, you're going to, it's going to eat up your body until you die. 
doesn't matter how much money you have, how much influence, how successful you are, there is no cure. How I many know there, there are still situations in life today that it doesn't matter what you've accomplished in life, what you've done, how big you are, how rich you are. Some things are just going to take you out unless you have a connection with God that can deliver you. And, and that was true with Naaman. And they had an Israeli girl there that they had captured and she was serving one of them. And, and she told them, she said, listen, you should go see the prophet in Israel. Uh, about this leprosy, you can be healed. And he heard about that. And of course, when you're at your wit's end there, you're open to trying things. He sent a letter to the king and said, I'm coming, I'd like to come over to see you so you can heal me of leprosy. And the king freaked out over that, saying, who do you think I am, God? And he's tearing his clothes and, and all this stuff. And, and then Elijah heard about it and said, send him to me. Because he had a connection with God. He knew God. He said, send him here. That's not a problem. What, leprosy is like an issue? <laughs> hmm? It'd be like someone today saying, what, what, you acting like, what, terminal cancer is like terminal? Uh, not with the Lord. No, it's not. And so, uh, uh, verse 9. 2 Kings 5 verse 9, then Naaman went with his horses and chariot. He stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him. Do you notice what Elisha did? He sent a messenger. How many of you know sometimes when, when you go and you're going to have a connection with the prophet, it might not go as you thought it would. In other words, I'm sure someone of Naaman's stature is expecting to get a one-on-one with the prophet here. But he didn't. He got a one-on-one with the prophet's messenger. I'll go ahead and tell him this. He didn't even see him firsthand. How many know we're always going to have opportunities in, in our quest for success, our desire to achieve the end result, there are going to be opportunities to be offended along the way for things not to go as we thought they ought to go. Well, I expected, I thought I'd get to talk to him personally and I thought he would... And it didn't work out that way. What do you do when that happens? Say, so well, I'm thinking. What would I... <laughs> but I just think it's interesting. He sent a messenger. You know, Jesus at times had that. Remember the Syrophoenician woman from Canaan? Uh, the Canaanite woman? It's called, scripture calls her both. She came to Jesus and saying all this stuff. And Jesus ignored her. <laughs> he ignored her. Jesus ignored her. You know, some people would be like, oh, what kind of preacher is this? Ask him a question. Try to get him his help. He doesn't even pay attention to me. Bless God, I'm going somewhere else. All right. See you with your leprosy. See you with your demon-possessed daughter. That was the case with Jesus. All right, just food for thought. So Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. What do you do when someone asks you to do something that's uncomfortable? Let me, let me put it into real uh, ministry terms again, believing the prophets. What do you do when the pastor asks you to do something and you don't want to? You think there'd be a better way. It's a little bit uncomfortable to do that. How do you respond? So I'd do anything. Well, okay. Because here's the thing. We have to get to believing the prophet. Not, not gullible, not controlled by, but finding the real thing. Believing the prophet 
so we can prosper. That's easy to say in principle. It's easy to say when the prophet says, go eat ice cream. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like God. But when the prophet says, go eat balut or something. That's what the missions team did in the Philippines. Oh, Lord. It's that duck in the egg. Google it. <laughs> you know, but something is asked that is not desirable. Something that's uncomfortable. Something you don't necessarily want to do. It, it pushes you. It challenges you. Even corrects you. This is when we have a, an opportunity to say, I'm, I'm going to believe or I'm not going to believe. I'm going to quickly dismiss that and say, ah, that's just their opinion. Listen, we can do that all through our lives. And maybe we won't go below zero, but we'll never even get to one. We have to find what is of God, what is right, so we can believe it. Okay, well, what did Naaman do after he was told to wash in the, in the Jordan? Verse 11, but Naaman became furious. He is ticked off. I come all this way, I don't get to see him personally, and this is the word, go, go dip in that dirty river. Here's what we should analyze within ourselves again. Do we ever really get ticked off about stuff? Why? What's happening? All he did is ask you to go in the river. Why are you so angry about this? Here's the answer. It's pride. Pride is quick to get angry. It's self-defensive. Who are they to say this to me? There are better rivers. I can do something different. Why does it have to be this way? And when there's fury, when there's anger, when that's, it's, it's a pride issue. And how many know the proud get resisted, but the humble get lifted? Yeah, it's time to humble ourselves and say, okay, why don't I want to do this? Why don't I want to receive this word? I I remember uh, several years ago, a a guy got really upset with me. He was telling me about his his father who had passed away some years before. And I'm, you know, sorry to hear that and all this kind of stuff. He was, said he was a Christian. Well, praise God, he's in, he's in heaven. And, and, and in the discussion, he was asking me questions. I said, well, that wasn't the will of God. It wasn't God's will for him to die young, for him to die early. And he really did not like that. He wanted me to accept and embrace and wanted me to say, no, that was God's plan for his dad's life. And I said, I don't have scripture on that. I'm going to say, no, I'm sorry to hear that. But no, that wasn't God's will. He was upset. I remember, uh, well, Brother Moore, who's coming next month, he said (laughs) something happened to him one time. He had been teaching, and he kept using the word rich in Scripture. You know, it's all over the Bible, the word rich. He kept using the word rich while he was teaching. He said a guy got a hold of him afterward was so upset with him, just furious mad because he kept saying rich. Rich, just angry. How many of those kind of things reveal something in us that may be an issue? May, may, may be a problem. All right, don't get too quiet on me. <laughs> Verse 11, Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. So this is expectation. I'm going here. Here's what the prophet's going to do. He's going to pray. He's going to go... Wave his hand, and I'm going to be healed. We've got to watch out for our expectations. Where did they come from? Why did you think it was going to happen that way? Why was it supposed to happen? And if it didn't happen the way we expected it to happen, 
Um, is that a problem? Should we be upset over that? Or maybe do we sometimes have false expectations about how God's going to work and how it's supposed to happen? Maybe it's cultural. Maybe it's religious tradition. Maybe it's just what we've grown up with. We've always seen it a certain way. And then we step into something and they do it totally different. And we just close up. We shut it out. Oh, no, no, that can't be right. That can't be God. Because, ah, no, 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 that can't be God. Because I've seen it done a different way. I know, but was the different way? Did you have real, did you have scriptures on that? Did the Lord say to do it? Or is it just a practice, a custom? Um, is it just something we've embraced as being normal, but it's really not an eternal truth? Here's what we're guarding against. Closing up and not believing, not receiving the prophet, the word of the Lord. And sometimes our traditions or our expectations stand in the way of that. We embrace those higher than the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? And so verse 12, he said, are, are there not, you know, Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away, uh, went away in a rage. He is ticked off and I'm out of here. Bless God. I don't have to put up with this. I'm out of here. Watch out for running out. Just in case, just a thought. It might be God. Your answer might be the next sentence. The word of the Lord might change your life forever, but there's going to be a temptation to be upset and run away from God's answer. I almost want to say it this way. Anytime something is of God, you can almost guarantee there's going to be an alternate door, a way of escape to get away from that so you can remain in the current condition you're in. Expect it. Expect options. Expect the need to pray and know what's God. There'll always be options. Better rivers. Verse 13, a servant came and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down. He finally humbled himself. All right, I'll do it. He went down, dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. In other words, he believed the prophet. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Why does the Lord speak to us in whatever way he does? I tell you, the bottom line, the end of this, is that he wants to elevate and lift our lives, not diminish them. The word of the Lord to us is not to bring us harm. It is to bring us help. Do you believe that? I'm telling you, anything the Lord would say and do in your life, He wants to make it better, not worse. Now, knowing that helps me to deal with the Word, whatever it is. Sometimes it's easy to accept and embrace. Woohoo! I know that's God, and sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a challenge. Sometimes it's corrective in nature. But if I know the end, my Father, He loves me. He, he wants to do good things in my life. All He's ever done is give to us. And if He asks us to do something, even through a ministry gift, I'm going to accept it. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to act on it. Because the end result will be betterment of our lives.
Everybody okay? Let me give you one last verse. Man. Man. <laughs> Hebrews thirteen seventeen. You know this is in the scripture too, right? Your Bible have a Hebrews? Obey those who rule over you. Put that up for us. They will, as, uh, and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls. As those who must give account. Alright, don't put it up. <laughs> Let them do so with joy. It's Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. In other words, God has put His Spirit upon individuals and the goal in doing so was that you would profit, that your life would be better. And so what He tells us to obey or submit to or follow is in our best interest to follow that. I mean, if the, if the pastor, can I just say this, if the pastor stands up and and says, hey, hey guys, we're going to do X, Y, Z today. We're going to go this route. And it's really not something you're comfortable with. How do you respond? Because I, I know on an individual basis, you know, we, have, we can have limited success. But when you have a whole church that recognizes the voice of God, even through ministry gifts. And I'm not talking about being gullible. I'm not talking about being controlled. I'm talking about being spiritual. Talking about being mature and recognizing. But think about when we all go the same direction at the same time. Man, great things can happen. We could build a tower if we wanted. We, we don't want to. Talking babble, you know. Uh, no, but we want to do the will of God. You know, if I said to you, I'm not saying this right now. If I said to you, hey church, this Wednesday we're doing a, a night of evangelism. We're going to win the loss. We're going to preach the gospel with signs and wonders and have, have, a, have a reach our city. I want every single one of you to go and, and do your absolute best to find one person that you can bring with you. That's, that's not, not walking with the Lord. That's not a believer. Well, how, what would you do with that? And just, to, just for your safety, I'm not saying that right now. But what would you do? Would you ignore it? Would you say, uh, I'm not, that's not really my personality? Or would we say, man, is that God? Is that the Lord leading us? Is that how he wants to reach our city? Is there any trust in the ministry gift? I guess we should pray. He's leading us, you guys. And he's moving in our lives. The end result is things get better. Father, thank you for working in our hearts today.